You know, guys, I have lost count of how many videos and podcasts I made about this uh, topic that I'm going to talk about today, which is uh, essentially related to the databases and atomicity and isolation and consistency and durability. I made so many videos about them, and every time I make a new video, I learn something new. And uh, so I decided to take some time and really understand these four properties and use cases and think of examples. And uh, I find myself that I I am running into these four properties in, in my day-to-day job or my side projects. We're running into these properties. So I was thinking of, you know what, I'm going to make a video and it's going to be long video I'm gonna think about examples I'm gonna uh, talk about different ways pros and cons about these four properties in the relational databases and it's done and it's not even published in my YouTube channel so here's the, here's the thing you guys if you're listening here you're the first to listen to this uh, content because uh, it's not even up in my YouTube channel yet as of today which is what today is like August 21st so give it a shot enjoy I'm gonna see you in the next one Acid are four properties of relational databases. They are atomicity, consistency, isolation, and durability. And I think anyone working with relational databases like Postgres, MySQL, SQL Server, Oracle should really understand these properties. In this video, we will go through the four properties of relational databases, explain why each is critical to make a relational database. We will also talk about why some people are moving away from relational databases to a NoSQL database, kind of ditching one aspect, one vertical of these properties, which is essentially the consistency. Right. If you're new here, welcome. My name is Hussein, and in this channel, we discuss all sorts of software engineering by example. So if you want to become a better software engineer, consider subscribing, hit that bell icon so you get notified whenever I upload a new video. That's it. Let's just jump into this video. All right, agenda. Here's what we're going to discuss in this video, guys. I want to discuss the four properties. But I want to first talk about what is a transaction. I think this is important. I don't want to take this for granted that people, you know, what is this? So I'm going to go quickly through what is transaction. We're going to talk about atomicity. I flipped the two properties, isolation and consistency. So it's acid, but I acid, I changed it because there's a reason. Talking about, about isolation will, and atomicity will lead to consistency in a very nice way. We're going to talk about consistency. going to talk about a little bit of a NoSQL databases, why people are moving to NoSQL, why they created NoSQL to begin with. Okay, and then fourth, we're going to talk about durability, which is kind of a very straightforward thing. All right, transaction. What is a transaction? We hear this a lot in databases. A transaction is nothing but a bunch of queries. Okay, it's a collection of queries. So it's a one or more queries. Okay, and that 
property of these queries are, are they are one unit of work. An example would be if you want to deposit an account, right, and some cash into an account, that is actually a select statement followed by an update statement followed by another update statement, like we're going we're gonna to show in a second, right? But each one of those is a query. The three of them can form a transaction, and you define what a transaction begin and where a transaction end, and we also, there is another semantic uh, attached to a transaction like a commit. Hey, I'm happy with my changes. Go persist them. Commit. That's what a commit means. Roll back. You know what? I think something went wrong. Roll back. Abort. 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 So that's another two piece of concept that attached by a transaction. We know that. Let's just jump into example here. A transaction. I have an account here with a beautiful table, just two fields, because that's all what you need, obviously, for in a bank, right? Just two fields. Account. You don't need a name. You don't need anything else. No date. No, just two fields. So there's an account ID. There's a balance. This guy has a thousand dollars. This guy's had a two uh, five hundred. And the transaction is send hundred dollars from account one to account two. So what do we need to do first? Does account one even have a hundred dollar? I don't know, so I need to check, right? So that's that we're gonna begin the transaction. We're gonna select. Let's check the balance. Do you have a hundred dollars, sir? Yes, your balance is balance greater than hundred. Yeah, sir, it is greater than hundred. All right, let's debit that hundred minus hundred. Okay, so now it's nine hundred. Okay, but that's not committed yet. It's just yeah, meh, right? It's just touched. It's a dirty change. Okay. And then I'm going to add another 100 to the second account. Going to commit my changes. Turn green. That means it's like, it's persisted. All good. We're happy. And that's it. Okay. So that's essentially what a transaction is. It's a unit of work, but it consists of multiple queries, one or more. Okay. That's a transaction. Let's talk about the first property. Now that we understand transaction, atomicity. Atomicity is came from the word atom, right, in science, whereas an atom is the smallest piece of uh, a unit that cannot be divided. You cannot divide an atom um, unless you're doing a nuclear fission and all that stuff. But let's assume atomic, an atom cannot be divided, cannot be split. And that's what a transaction is here. A transaction should be atomic. When we say a transaction is atomic, that means all of those queries should succeed. And if one of them fail, you better fail the whole thing. You better roll back the whole thing. And now we know what a rollback is. Does that make sense, guys? Very simple concept. Okay. Why does it matter, though? Why does it matter? Why should I care? Okay. Why are you enforcing that? What are you going to know, sir? It's like the same example without atomicity. Let's say I don't have atomicity. I don't enforce this in my database. Whoever the vendor of this database, Oracle, Postgres, didn't implement that atomicity, which is bad. All all relational should implement it but let's say i'm gonna deposit the same transaction i'm gonna do it but we're gonna add some little bit spices on top of that again the transaction i'm gonna dip it 100 card okay i need to check does this guy have 100 he does sir okay cool go ahead and debit the account right with 100 and what the heck happened uh, that's not my machine. That's just a slide, guys. But yeah, your database crashed. Something happened. 
you went back, restarted the database. Guess what? That's the last thing you did. You you debited one account, but you for but you didn't get to the other part of the transaction to actually commit and change that to six hundred. So now you have a hundred dollars in the thin air. It just went away. All right, that's just badish. Right, that's very badish. Okay. After we restarted the machines, account will get credit, obviously. So that's what Atomic transaction is a transaction that will roll back all queries, all changes, if one of the queries fail. So that's what it means, essentially, right? So if this is what we had just did is not atomic transaction. What happened is, is bad, right? So the correct way is to just roll back and roll back this 2000. Does that make sense, guys? So that's what an atomicity is. Very simple stuff. Jump to the second one, isolation. I skipped consistency because we're gonna go back to consistency and later after isolation. This is one of the longest and in my opinion, one of the most critical properties a software engineer really should understand, really should understand, isolation. What is isolation? An isolation is, to be isolated is I wanna stay alone and I don't wanna interact with the world, right? Okay. Let's take this in the transaction. A transaction is, to, to have a transaction that I isolated, that means an in-flight transaction while I'm executing a transaction, can this transaction see other changes made by other transactions that are in flight, okay? So that's what it means. I am now executing my stuff. Can I see other stuff people are making, okay? And is that okay? right? Am I isolated from the other world, okay? And it's really up to the implementer, the software engineer here, to adjust this knob of isolation that we're going to talk about, okay? Do you want no isolation? I don't care. You can change anything you want, and I'm going to read whatever you change, and that's maybe okay. But some cases, it is no, no, sir, okay? We're going to talk about so that's isolation, okay? We're gonna talk about as a lack of isolation, you're gonna get these read phenomena. I don't know, it's like, has a fancy name for some reason, okay? It's just, you're gonna get some read ugliness, read weirdness, right? Some weird stuff while you're reading transactions, okay? And as a lack of isolation, we're going to talk about that, read isolate, read phenomena. This is dirty read and all that stuff. And we're going to talk about isolation levels that a database can implement to get rid of the read phenomena. Okay. So uh, without isolation, you get a bunch of read phenomena. We implement isolation levels to fix those problems. Okay. Let's talk about boom. Let's talk about the read phenomena. We have three. I added the fourth one. I don't think it's a read phenomena. It's one of the bad things that can happen as a side effect, but I added it anyway. Okay. So the first one, dirty read. Dirty reads essentially is I am, and, and we saw that, right? I don't think we saw that. Yeah, but essentially, dirty read, what it is essentially is like I am in flight transaction. And some other transaction made a change, that transaction did not commit that change, 
and I read that change, okay? So any minute that transaction can roll back that change and I, I just read a bad value, a dirty value that hasn't been committed. That's what it means, essentially. Non-repeatable reads, we're gonna talk about that. It's like, I read a value that is being committed, right? Not necessarily committed or not, okay? But then I turn around in my same transaction and I read the same value, whether the same query or other query that give me the same path to that value, like a range query, and I did not get the same result. So my results, my reads were not repeatable in my same transaction. Some, some users are fine with that. Some users are not fine with that. We're going to talk about that. Okay. Phantom reads, I inserted a new, uh, another transaction, inserted a new record, and I pick that up where I shouldn't have picked that up, okay? It usually happens with uh, range queries. Lost updates is like when when you started to change something, right? You changed in a transaction, you changed the value, and some other transaction overwrote your value before you even committed. So you're going to commit a wrong value. So you just lost your update, essentially, okay? And... Uh, these are the four phenomena. Let's talk about each of one, one of them. Read dirty reads. Let's talk about the dirty reads. Okay? So we talked about it. Read it, dirty reads. I am going to read a value that hasn't been committed by another transaction. Let's see. I have a sales table here. There's a pr two products. Product one, product two. There's a quantity of sales. This product one has sold 10 units at a price of $5. Product two, 20 at a price of 4 and I am asked to write a query to produce a report of my sales. So what I'm going to do is select the entire thing and sum those guys. So product one has sold, what, $50. Product two has given us like $80. And then at the end, I'm going to just view the sum of all the sales. Okay, very simple stuff. So to do that, beginning the transaction, okay, even if we don't really need to commit or change, you, you can also begin a transaction, right? And that's and that can have its values. I'm gonna begin a transaction, selecting the product ID, and then multiplying the quantity times the price, obviously, and then from sales. That will give me what we just saw, right? Product one, 50, product two, that sounds good. But here's the trick. While this is executing, another transaction just begin, right? And the stock, another quantity, it just added, Some some someone made us, another sale, right? And they updated the sales report, okay? Where the PID is equal one. So now we just increase the quantity by five. That's pretty good, but I don't know if it's good because we just read this. Now, I just have an old value. It might be that okay, but let's see what will happen, right? So I didn't commit this transaction to yet, right? While I'm doing that, I did the second query, which is select some quantity times price, which is literally this times this plus sum 20 plus 48. But guess what? This is giving me a wrong result. This is now reading the dirty value that never been committed yet. This guy's reading it. And that's a dirty read, right? We're reading the bad value. Why? Because it's leading to a bad result. See, 50 plus 80 is 130, but I am showing the report 155. 
So you can see dirty reads are bad, okay? I'm not saying they are always bad. It's up to you if you can tolerate that or not. If you're building Instagram, for example, you don't really care if the number of likes doesn't match the number of users who actually like the picture, right? So you you might there's a price for everything, guys. We're going to talk about that, okay? This you cannot just uh, say, "Yeah, I'm I'm going to implement the best isolation ever." Okay. So there's three First read phenomenon, okay? And we commit the transaction, obviously, but it's, it's useless. We got bad results. So that's dirty read. Let's talk about non-repeatable read, okay? A non-repeatable read is, as we said, a read that I'm going to read something in my transaction, and I'm going to read it again. I'm going to do two different values. You might say, why are you reading the same values twice? Are you an idiot? Why are you doing that? You just read it. Why are you reading twice? There are, believe me, when you're writing code, when you're writing transaction, you will need to do that sometimes. Okay? And we're going to show you an example. Okay? <laughs> I had to think about an example of this, but here's an example. Same thing, right? Beginning the transaction, I'm going to select the count of report, right? That sounds good. 50 and 80, right? And then... Uh, this is the total of this is 130, but guess what? A transaction began at the same time and it updated the count. It sounds like it's the same transaction, but here's the little bit different I did here. I actually changed that. Okay, now it's 15. And I also committed. That's the difference between the first one and that. So whatever I'm doing next is actually not a dirty read, right? I'm reading a committed value. It's a legit value. But the question is, should I read that committed value or not? Okay. So to me, this has been committed. It's a legit value. It's not like the previous one where someone actually rolled back, right? Or or could could be rolled back. It's not a dirty value. It's an actual committed value. So I'm going to turn around, do the sum. But now I'm going to get a bad result. Despite me committing... I get a bad result. So having it committed or not doesn't really matter. Now I got this phenomenon of a non-repeatable read in this example because their first read gave me that sum, 130. The second read gave me a different sum. Okay, So that's a non-repeatable read in itself. Okay, A non-repeatable read. So we read this first, we get a result, then we read it again, we get a different result. So that's another repeatable read. We're going to discuss ways to fix this, right? How can you fix this? We can talk about things, how to fix that. Okay, non-repeatable read, right? And obviously, you're going to come at the end. Phantom read, phantom read. So what phantom reads is actually interesting because here's, here's an example of phantom read, right? Let's say I begin a transaction, do the same thing, select the account, and then sum the whole thing. We get 130, 50 sales and 80, right? And at the same time, here's the, the other transaction. It didn't actually update. It just inserted record. It just inserted a new sale of a totally different product. And now you committed that. So it's, it's changed. It's in the database. And in the same time, the, sec the first transaction is still executing. I am selecting all the count prices from sales. <laughs> that is bad son because now you just accounted for product three on the first 
sheet of your paper report, you did not account for that, right? So now the sum of those obviously is 130, but you're showing 140. Okay, that's a phantom read. And the reason it's phantom read because this is one of the that's called the range queries where you're selecting, but you're getting extra rows. So if we're going to talk about ways to fix that, this is a little bit harder to fix and, and to avoid. Right? The previous ones, you can implement locks and version controls to get away with it. But this, this is a new value. How do you lock it? It's a new value. You cannot say, hey, don't read that, right? It's just really interesting. And that one of the ways to fix that is actually serialization uh, isolation level, right? Let's talk about the isolation levels, right? <laughs> this is very interesting, guys. I, I really like this topic. So isolation levels are levels of isolation. Da, Hussein, what are, what are you talking about? So isolation levels are levels that are implemented by the database to fix those phenomena that we talked about, okay? And there's a nice table by Wikipedia here that I'm going to reference here. It's very nice. It just explains the whole thing here, okay? So read committed is the first type of isolation, which is, I don't know why you call it isolation level. It's that literally offers no isolation whatsoever. That transaction, when your transaction starts in a read and committed way, is not gonna, is gonna, is not gonna perform any isolation. Any changes to the database is happening, you're gonna see it. So you're gonna get dirty reads here, obviously, because you're just cheating everything. You're gonna get, uh, non-repeatable reads, obviously. You're going to get phantom reads, right? And you're going to get lost updates as well, okay? The read committed is each, there is a little bit of isolation here, and most databases implement that, okay? And most of the time, this is this is the one of the best transaction isolation level because you're happy with that. You're happy to read committed stuff. But here's the thing. Each query in the transaction only sees committed stuff at that time of the query. So each query you execute gonna see the new committed values at that time, okay? And that could be fine, right? Sometimes it is not, okay? So that's what it means to read committed. You are seeing and viewing the committed stuff at the time of the query. Okay, so anything that's committed, you're gonna see it. Okay, obviously, this does not work on our example that we showed because we showed even that is committed, the sales report came up wrong, right? But there are certain cases where read committed is enough for you. Okay, repeatable read each query in the transaction only sees committed updates at the beginning of the transaction. So it's it, the repeatable read isolation level gives you the ability to see committed values, but not at every single query at the beginning of the transaction. So once you begin a transaction, you will only see changes that have been committed before you started the transaction. Okay, so that gives you a nice isolation tight view and that's really powerful stuff so now 
I'm not gonna go through the implementation aspects of this. Databases, some databases implements versioning to implement this. Like, hey, when you start a transaction, like Cassandra, right? You start a transaction, I am in version zero, okay? And then anything I read is belong to version zero of the database, okay? So if other transactions are committing stuff, changing stuff, they are updating to version one and version two and version three, I am only reading version zero. And that gives me a nice consistent view, which we're gonna talk about that, right? So repeatable reads, okay? So this way I guarantee that I'm gonna read the same repeatable read, right? I'm gonna get the, same, get the same read because I'm reading the same version, right? Some databases implement it as a form of a lock, which is a little bit more expensive, okay? So you, you establish an exclusive lock and say, no, I am only reading this. Please, guys, don't change this, okay? Don't change it. So if, if once we establish an exclusive lock, we cannot, nobody actually can or, or uh, nobody can change that stuff. No, sorry, it's not an exclusive lock. So that's right. So the lock approach of that, another approach to, another approach to implement repeatable reasons, you're going to start, you place a shared lock so you guarantee that nobody can actually change your data because Everybody that needs to edit, they need to establish an exclusive, exclusive lock to edit these rows, right? That you get about, about to read. And then once you do that, you release the shared lock, okay? So you implement some sort of a shared lock, but you just blocked people from editing. So versioning is kind of a little bit better, okay? but there's a cons pros and cons for each one, obviously. Serializable, that's the easiest way to implement and the kind of a slowest. And the 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 performance goes down with every level of isolation. So it's like, think of it as a chart, right? This is no isolation. This is the highest isolation level, okay? But this is the fastest thing. This is the slowest thing. The serializable is essentially each transaction has to be serialized, right? So if you, as if they are serialized, almost like serialized, right? So a transaction just followed by another transaction, they cannot be executed in parallel, essentially. They try as much as possible. The database does a little bit tricky things to to execute. Some of them are parallel, but most of them are, you can think of it as a serialized, right? So if you're serialized, nothing running in parallel, you're happy, right? This is the best thing ever. If you're not nothing, nothing in running parallel, then you're not gonna get in concurrency issue. You don't have isolation problems anyway, okay? So this is the best way. Most of the time this is implemented at the application level. The application places a lock and says, guys, stop touching my stuff. I'm updating it or I'm reading it. All right, and then start reading everything and then goes away, okay? That's the table I was talking about with uh, uh, from Wikipedia. You have the read and committed level where all of that stuff, all this uh, phenomena can occur obviously because we don't care, read and committed, read anything. Right? Any change that happens, dirty reads, lost updates, you get non repeatable, you get phantom reads. Read a committed, what we're gonna do, do is uh, essentially read only the committed stuff. So you're not gonna get dirty reads. You know that because you're reading only committed stuff, but you're gonna get non repeatable reads because each query is getting the new committed stuff. Right? So if you queried, at the at point the first query of the transaction and then you turn around and query it again between those two queries someone might change the value and committed it so 
you're reading the committed value, but it changed. So it's non-repeatable, and that might not be desirable. Obviously, you might get fandoms as well. Repeatable read, uh, you're not going to get dirty reads because we're reading only committed stuff. But in addition of that, we're only reading committed stuff at the beginning of transactions. So you're not get a repeat, you're, you're not going to get a non-repeatable reads. All of your reads are repeatable because you're reading the same version of the database at the start of the transaction. Or the, the database will force you to place a lock and then will only read the stuff at the beginning. Okay, So that's essentially a non-repeatable read. And But phantoms still can occur as a result because you cannot control new rows. You can only control what you can only control rows that you can lock, right? And this is debatable with versioning. You actually can get away with it. You, right? So this table is not entirely accurate. With with if you implemented versioning with repeatable reads, you can actually, uh, you might get away with repeatable reads, right? If you implemented versioning, I think RocksDB and the Facebook uh, data, data storage engine implements that versioning. Serializable, best thing ever. I'm not. I'm not gonna say best thing ever. But if you serialize your transaction, you're not going to get any of that stuff, right? You are guaranteed that nobody touches anything unless uh, they have a lock, right? So you start the transaction, you place the shared lock, right? And if someone want to implement an exclusive lock, they will, get a, they will get an error because there are shared locks, there are read locks. So... And we talk about shared lock and read locks. I'm going to reference the video there, guys. All right. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, consistency, guys. All right, so I really needed to talk about autonomy and isolation first to talk about consistency, right? Although consistency is the second property for an asset, right? And the reason is atomicity and isolation leads to consistency, in my opinion, right? And uh, the way I see it, there are two types of consistency, the way I see it here. And uh, the, the first one is consistency in your data. And the second one is consistency in reading the data. And let's talk about each one of them. And, and uh, let's talk about what, which one of those, the NoSQL guys, came and tried to improve upon, okay? And try to kind of relaxed here. Consistency in data. Consistency data is, is essentially is defined by the user. It's something that the user defines in their table schema. It says, hey, that this view and this view should be consistent. Like say the sum of the money in this table should equal the sum of all the balances or the, the number of likes in this uh, picture should number should equal the number of the users who actually like that picture. So this is a consistent view that the user defines, okay? Usually it's enforced by referential integrity, like foreign keys and primary keys. So you ensure consistency in your data. And it's also ensured by atomicity and isolation. We saw that 
we remember when we got the blue screen of death in the middle, right? We just bleh, lost my data, right? Just went away. And I got an inconsistent balance sheet as a result. We got 900 and 500 where 100 just went away in the thin air, okay? So the atom lack of atomicity leads to inconsistency in your data, okay? Isolation, do I need to say anything? We saw all that stuff with isolation, right? Giving all these false reports as a result of lack of isolation, right? The moment people are changing my product sales while I'm reading this data, I'm going to get bad results. I'm going to get an inconsistent result, okay? But although my product says the sum is 130, I can see it, I can sum it, but the actual total is saying 155. That's bad, okay? So lack of isolation leads to inconsistency. It's up to you as a user if you can handle, if you're okay with that inconsistency or not. Sometimes it leads to corruption inconsistency. If you're not happy with that, like a bank transaction, you cannot probably be happy with that. Product sales, probably not. That's bad, right? Pictures and likes, eh, we're going to show that example. See? Like, this is an example, right? Where consistency in my data is really not a big deal, right? Like, we have two pictures here. This is a blob of the picture. Let's say this is an Instagram implementation. We have a blob. Uh, of the picture and we have the number of likes right you Hussein might say Hussein why are you adding a field called likes what what is that okay why don't you just query this table and just get the number of likes performance this is the best short answer for this right so you would add a, a likes field here which will contain the num total number of likes in this picture that this picture got and there's a another table called picture like which includes like hey John liked picture number one. Edmond liked picture number one. John liked picture number two. So if you sum this, right, picture number one got two likes from John and Edmond. That's correct. And then John, uh, picture two got one like. It's one from John. That, so that's a consistent view. But if you saw, like, for example, this is four and this view doesn't represent it, that's an inconsistent view. It's up, up to you if you're happy with that inconsistency or not. And that's a very critical question because based on that, you can adjust the performance, you can adjust the consistency, you can adjust scalability, you can adjust isolation, right? Based on what can you give up as an engineer? As a software engineer, you really guys need to think about every single aspect of that. What can you give up? That's why you have to understand the requirements and then ask yourself, what can you give up? You're telling me that Instagram, if, if Kylie Jenner gets like 5 million likes on a picture, 5 million and 32 likes, if I clicked on that and view the 5 million, are you telling me they're going to match? I'm betting everything you want that they're not matching. This, this is impossible to get a consistent view on this, right? And they don't care because nobody's going to fiddle through 5 million users anyway. So they can give you an approximate number and they can be off. There's, those two views can be off by even 100,000. YouTube is the same. Subscribers, right? Do you why do you think YouTube is showing you like uh, my subscriber is 6K or 6.2K? 
because they cannot guarantee you that I have exactly 6,032 subscribers, okay, or 23, or even uh, PewDiePie, right, he has like one now, almost 95 million subscribers, that number is not exactly accurate to the actual number of subscribers that he actually got. It's an approximation because they cannot, they decided it's not important to maintain the consistency of this thing because why first? Because nobody's going through 99 million subscribers. So they are preferring performance over this consistency. Sorry about guys, sorry, sorry about that, going to a tangent, but I it's, think it's, it's critical to this. Let's talk about the other cost concept of this. Consistency in data, sometimes it matters, sometimes it doesn't. Consistency, consistency in reads, same thing. Sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it matters. So we'll think about that. Now, consistency in reads is very interesting. And uh, what it means is like, if I update something, if a transaction updates something to the database, let's say I update a value X, and that X gets persistent, and then another transaction start reading that, it better get the value X. Hussein, what are you saying? That's obviously ta freaking da, right? Obviously, it has to get the same value, but not necessarily. We're going to talk about the concept of eventual consistency here. So that's inconsistent read. If I committed something, can new transactions see it immediately? Okay. And here's the thing. This type of consistency is unavailable on both relational and NoSQL databases. It's a big statement here. Okay. Both databases suffers from this consistency. Okay. Including Oracle, including Postgres, including MySQL. Those databases are not consistent in reads. And let me explain here. When you have a one server and you're committed something to it and you read from that one server, life is good, right? Life is perfect because you have one freaking server. But the moment you start adding other servers, let's click about this is possible on MySQL, right? What you're going to do essentially is... is you're going to have one server and you create a replica of that server. And that is like even one-way replica or two-way replica is just going to start pumping data to the replica, right? And now, obviously, you need to add multiple replicas for horizontal scalability, right? You, you cannot serve 7 million people off one database, right? Data, uh, YouTube started doing that with one database and they scaled it up to multiple and they implemented now Vitesse, which is this new fancy stuff on top of MySQL that gives you like sharding on the fly, sharding and all that stuff. We're going to talk about that in another video. But essentially, the moment you break things up into these replicas, into this uh, uh, essentially the other databases, right? These secondary databases. Uh, called follower, uh, leader of follower nodes, right? The moment you start doing that, you are inconsistent, sir. You will become inconsistent because you write to the primary node and someone else reads from the secondary node. The secondary node takes time to get the value propagated. There is networking going on. There is delays, latency until the secondary node gets the new value. So you're going to get an old value, my friend. You're going to get an old value.
right? And that is inconsistency. So this problem, and a lot of people get this wrong, inconsistency. So the relational database is inconsistent in reads, right? The moment you start breaking them into horizontal scalability, multiple servers, you are going to get inconsistency, right? So they are consistent when there is one big, nice server, right? The moment you break them up, they are inconsistent in reads. You're going to read it, but someone will going to read an old value. And it's up to you now as an engineer. Are you happy with this old value? If you get a slightly older subscriber count, okay, that's completely fine. If your video, the latest view, and, and that's what like YouTube does, right? There are money servers and all these rights going to multiple databases, and then they eventually sync back into one big server, one big database, right? And then if you read, if I'm reading that view versus uh, someone from Germany versus someone from Japan reading that same video, you, we're going to get different results because we're reading different replicas. We're reading from different follower nodes. And that's okay, right? Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it's not. So now there are a bunch of people who say, you know what? We don't want to enforce that thing. Is this all the stuff you guys are doing silly? This asset thing is silly. And the fact that scaling relational databases has been always hard, right? Because it was designed in the 70s to be a one big beefy machine, right? One big beefy server, the database is there, and that's it, right? In this era, those guys said, okay, you know what? I'm going to give up consistency. Because you guys already don't have consistency, right? I'm going to relax a little bit of these four properties. And I'm going to give you a better scalability and performance, right? So I'm going to scale horizontally. I'm going to add a, little, a, a bunch of other servers on the sides. And then just... We're going we're gonna to start sharding, doing all these things in a distributed manner, okay? So that's essentially what they did and those thus the NoSQL databases came into picture okay so they give up consistency or on on favor of uh scalability which the relational databases are really really hard to do right relational databases where well, you have to implement the follower node and leader node and they start replicating pumping changes right and the 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 NoSQL one gives you a scalability you can add just nodes and it will scale nicely but if you're looking for isolation and all that fancy stuff you're not gonna get it obviously right okay you're not gonna get all these properties off of this you 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 will get this new concept called eventual consistency which is to me is just a marketing term okay eventually everything is eventually consistent duh okay so it's like if you if you read the value, you get an old value. If you wait a little bit, you're gonna get the latest value essentially, right? So to me, eventual consistency, both the relational databases and uh, non-relational databases suffer from this. Okay, eventual consistency. Durability, committed transactions must be persisted in a durable non-volatile storage. So that's what it means. If I write and committed a transaction, it better stay there when it's when when I lost power, I if I committed a transaction and I lost power and database shut down, if I restarted the value better be there. That's what durable durable means.
right? So Redis, for example, is not a durable database. It's an in-memory database. Memcached is an in-memory database. It's not durable. And it's up to you. If you're caching stuff, you're just doing, doing stuff for caching, you might really don't care about being durable, right? So a lot of databases took these four properties and just starting hacking one of them out and then creating a brand new database out of it. So Redis took the durability out and then just created this in-memory database thing. They have, I think, persistence. I didn't work very closely with Redis, but uh, the in-memory, they have persistence model, I think. Cassandra and uh, MongoDB decided to say, you know what, I don't need consistency. I'm gonna give you consistency when you write your query, right? But we don't need consistency and you don't have a schema to begin with, right? This, there's a lot of things that got relaxed, not only just the consistency part of it. So there's no schema, no referential integrity, you don't get indexes, uh, secondary indexes, all that stuff, you don't get any of that, okay? So really, that that's probably another topic, NoSQL versus SQL, but yeah, that's it guys. A long video, you made it. Thank you so much for watching until the end. If you reach it here, leave a comment at the end. Like this video if you like it. Share it with your friend. It's almost like a course. I think it's almost like a 40 minutes video now. All right, guys. I'm going to see you in the next one. You guys stay awesome.